Hello, and welcome to the Strategica podcast from the Hoover Institution, analyzing the intersection of military history and contemporary national security concerns. You can find us online at hoover.org forward slash publications forward slash Strategica. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, and today we examine the topic of the most recent issue of Strategica, should more of America's democratic allies possess nuclear weapons? And I'm joined now by the author of one of the essays in this issue, Williamson Murray, professor emeritus at The Ohio State University and a member of Hoover's Military History Working Group. Wick, thank you for joining us. I'm delighted to be here. Okay, so the focus of this issue of Strategica, should more of America's allies possess nuclear weapons? It's a big question. It is also perhaps too broad a question, by which I mean that different circumstances guide policy for different parts of the world. You note at Strategica, for example, that the nuclear calculation is likely different in Europe than it is in Asia or the Middle East. Explain that. Um. Well, of course, in, in Europe, uh, um, uh, two of the uh, powers uh, um, in the EU, uh, Britain and France, have nuclear weapons already. Um, I think what may be changing um, in terms of the framework of European politics right now is that uh, um, there clearly going to be some push, uh, um, I would guess, in Poland uh, uh, to go nuclear, given the kinds of actions that the Russians have been taking uh, uh, in the Ukraine, and and uh, um, the shoot down of the Malaysian uh, airplane is uh, just exacerbated, if you will, the fears and and annoyance the Poles have uh, for uh, the Russians. Um, uh, the situation in Asia is slightly different in that they're all sort of. Three major powers dancing around uh, each other with the United States on the outside, China with nuclear weapons, um, Japan and South Korea without nuclear weapons, and then, of course, North Korea, which I hesitate to call power with uh, some nuclear capabilities. Um, I think that uh, particularly for the South Koreans and the um, uh, Japanese with increasing doubts about the reliability of the United States, that uh, they if they don't go nuclear, they're going to push themselves or be prepared to go nuclear very quickly uh, if they have to. And then we have the Middle East, where I think um, it's very clear that the Iranians are approaching uh, the point where they will have uh, um, nuclear weapons. Um, and I think as the situation exacerbates in terms of the collapse of um, of Iraq, which is occurring right now, um, the Iranians are going to be watching their, uh, uh, if you will, their back. Um, uh, the Israelis already have nuclear weapons, and I think very clearly the Saudis uh, will begin to uh, push in that direction. Um, and then finally, of course, we have uh, the two nuclear powers, uh, uh, Pakistan and India, in their area. So I think we're going to see uh, more nuclear powers uh, and more dangerous nuclear powers. Uh, as far as uh, U.S. allies, um, uh, again, I think uh, U.S. allies will be pretty uh, restrained in terms of nuclear uh, use of nuclear weapons if they get them. Um, but uh, it's a situation which uh, I think the more nuclear powers there are, the more uh, the chances are that uh, somebody's going to make a terrible mistake. There's an interesting passage in the section of your essay that deals with the Middle East where you write – I'm quoting you here. 
clearly Saddam Hussein's Iraq was heading toward the creation of a nuclear capability until the Gulf War in 1991 wrecked Iraqi pretensions to be a great power and the intense pressure of the subsequent UN inspection routine eliminated the Iraqi program. That last part intrigues me. There has been a fair amount of skepticism within Strategica about the efficacy of the UN. Uh, but you're giving them at least partial credit here for the fact that Baghdad didn't end up going nuclear. Does that mean looking forward that if we're looking to contain nuclear proliferation, that utilizing the UN is one of the viable options we have? Um, yes and no. In this case, it was because uh, the U.S. Uh, um, uh, was able to put such strong sanctions on the uh, uh, on the Iraqis, uh, and Saddam Hussein was in such bad shape uh, economically, uh, uh, and um, not just militarily, but economically and politically, in, in terms of the uh, disastrous defeat uh, that his forces uh, uh, suffered uh, um, in the Gulf War of 1991, that uh, <clears throat> the UN was able to come in and discover that, in fact, the Iraqis w were far closer to possessing nuclear weapons than anybody suspected, um, uh, and actually were able to, um, over a four or five year period, to winnow out uh, the, uh, what exactly the Iraqis had been doing, and to a, a great extent, uh, um, uh, destroy the Iraqi capabilities in, in the sense of, of uh, various things that uh, the Iraqis were forced to destroy. Um, the problem is that uh, in most cases the UN does not have that kind of, if you will, a pistol at the uh, uh, at the head of, of of a regime. Although I think uh, um, the sanctions against uh, the Iranians uh, were clearly beginning to hurt them very badly, and which may have forced them um, to uh, draw back. But the Iraqi situation in 1992, 93, 94 is very much the, the exception. Uh, um, uh, so I, I probably have, have as much suspicion about the UN capabilities as most of the other people on Strategica. Let's talk a little bit more about Iran before we leave the Middle East. Um, two questions. First of all, do you see any prospect at this point that Tehran does not end up with nuclear weapons? And second, walk us through the implications both for us and the region should they get them. Well, that's two different questions. I, I think the, the Iranians are, are holding back uh, sufficiently uh, right now because of the uh, sanctions were a real threat to, to the stability of the regime. Um, once they get uh, nuclear weapons, I think uh, then other people in the area um, uh, will, um, uh, obviously, particularly the Saudis, uh, will push in that direction. Um, my sense, though, is right now the the uh, Iranians are desperately worried about uh, the uh, potential for a complete collapse in uh, Iraq uh, uh, with their surrogates, uh, um, as well as uh, um, in Syria, which has and Lebanon as well, which has very big implications for them. So um, they may be more amenable to pressure about uh, from the outside to not to go nuclear. Um, than they were, let's say, a year or two ago. Okay, so let's let's transition to Asia. Then you talk in your piece about China, about the scope of their ambition in in the region. How should we think about China's nuclear capability in that context? Is is the greater threat from the weapons themselves, 
or from the fact that the weapons maybe purchase enough deterrence for Beijing that they sort of greatly expand the field for what China can do with conventional forces? I think it's the, I think it's the last point, which is the economic uh, and uh, political uh, um, extent of uh, Chinese influence, uh, which uh, is wholly different uh, than the kind of influence the Soviet Union was able to uh, uh, export uh, during its uh, sorry uh, um, uh, history. I, I think the problem is that as Chinese military capabilities go up and its economic influence continues to, if you will, dominate the region, if not increase, um, now, the Chinese can get pretty much everything they want uh, um, unless the U.S. is willing to step in economically and politically uh, um, to counteract them, which to a certain extent we seem to be doing, but one never knows. So one more question about Asia. You write in the piece, quoting you again, the presence of significant numbers of American troops along with America's nuclear umbrella has so far dampened down the desire of the Koreans and the Japanese to go nuclear. But later you suggest, as you referred to earlier, that it may not always necessarily be that way. If Tokyo or Seoul begins to think that we're not a sufficiently dependable ally, they may have to look at, at arming themselves. So the question there, would it be would it be a bad thing if Japan or South Korea developed nuclear arsenals. Now, I know you'd be critical of the reason for which it happened, the neglect from the, the administration. But even if this is the wrong way to get there, there's this longstanding criticism that we shoulder too much of the military burden for our, our allies. Is there a reason for the U.S. to be concerned about a nuclear Japan or a nuclear Korea? Uh, I'm not concerned with a, a nuclear Japan because I think in, in all sorts of ways, Japan is tied to the United States. Uh, um, uh, uh, in ways that uh, it would make uh, their uh, um, capacity to go, if you will, uh, crazy, uh, um, uh, pretty minimal. Um, and they would never use any nuclear capabilities unless they were being threatened directly. Uh, um, and so my guess is, is that um, currently, <coughs> excuse me, uh, currently that uh, they feel enough uh, assurance that the U.S. will back them up um, if, if push comes to show. Uh, and the interesting thing was the uh, the um, when the Chinese put the uh, 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 air uh, transit rules uh, in effect, uh, that the, one of the first uh, airplanes to, if you will, pay no attention to it was a B-52, which is a clear signal to the uh, Chinese, but also to the Japanese. My danger is is that the Koreans are, I think, much less manageable, the South Koreans, and that's partially due to the fact that uh, um, they have been in the middleman between China and Japan, and they have, uh, I think, considerable fear of China and deep hatred and anger over the Japanese uh, uh, conduct from 1900 to 1945. Um, uh, and the complete unwillingness of the Japanese to uh, admit uh, that they had ever done anything wrong uh, to the Koreans. Uh, um, so again, I, I, my sense is the, is the danger would be the Koreans going uh, nuclear. So final question that I'll ask you. We're coming up on almost 70 years now since the use of nuclear weapons in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, a contemporary of that event could be forgiven for being astonished at the fact that we've gone seven decades since and not seen the use of nuclear weapons. Uh, 
How do you rate the odds that we'll be able to say the same thing another 70 years from now? I think much, much, low, uh, much, uh, much uh, lower in the sense that um, one of the things that very clearly um, uh, affected uh, the um, decisions made by the United States and by the Soviet Union and, and by others, but we were the two main ones, uh, not to use nuclear weapons, um, is partially driven by the, by the uh, um, under, understanding of what two relatively small nuclear weapons did uh, in terms of not uh, only uh, the uh, damage done to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but to the unbelievable, um, which was not known at the time, uh, impact of long-term radiation and poisoning uh, uh, both uh, the populations of those two cities uh, and uh, uh, increased of incidence of cancer and everything else. The problem is is that that knowledge and that sense of the of the uh, huge danger that nuclear weapons representative in terms of the fallout um, remains alive in the West. I think probably remains alive to a certain extent in the in the Soviet Union, um, given the Chernobyl. Uh, that's not Soviet Union, Russia. I mean, um, but it's something in terms of certain areas like the Middle East. Um, and perhaps even uh, uh, Asia, not so alive. And particularly it's not alive, I'm afraid, in terms of the Pakistani-Indian uh, uh, embryo. All right. Our guest has been Williamson Murray, Professor Emeritus at The Ohio State University and a member of Hoover's Military History Working Group. You can read his piece and those by other members of Hoover's group by visiting Strategica at hoover.org forward slash publications forward slash strategica. That's S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-K-A. Wick, thank you for joining us. Uh, Delighted to be here. Thank you. For the Hoover Institution, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.